Well, good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship here at the Grosvenor, and a very special welcome to our friends from Wellington Church who have joined us for this service for Candle Mass. Uh, we really hope that you'll feel at home here. I realise this is very different from the sanctuary at Wellington, but we really hope you will feel at home among us and that you'll enjoy sharing in this time of worship with us. Um, as always, we are all invited to stay for tea and coffee and uh, biscuits after the service, and I hope you'll do that. You'll probably seen the um, ferried rows of, of uh, teas and coffees lined up outside already, so do stay and have some tea and coffee and some conversation at the end. As we go through the service, everything you need to follow it is both on the printed order of service that you received as you came in, but will also appear on the screen behind me. Our service will be led both by our own Minister Katrina and by the Reverend Roger Sturrock of Wellington. Um, copies of the February edition of our church magazine are still available today. If you didn't get one last Sunday, please do ask for one before you leave if you don't have one yet. Then our evening service at 7pm will be a special service for the week of prayer for Christian unity, which will be led by Monsignor Paul Conroy, and that service will be just round the corner in Kelvinside Hillhead Church. That's at 7pm in Kelvinside Hillhead. You'll remember that Katrina is taking her first two-week sabbatical block during February, so next Sunday at 11am, Emma Carr of our worship group will lead morning worship and for that service we'll be back in the Kibble Suite where we normally meet. Then in the afternoon at 4pm, in place of the advertised evening service, there will be a special service for Racial Justice Sunday in St Peter's Church in Hindland Street. So just take note of that change of time and venue next Sunday, 4pm, a service in St. Peter's in Partick for Racial Justice Sunday. These are all our notices. Thank you, Anne. <coughs> the service will proceed with no more announcements after this. Um, we're quite good at doing nods and winks to musicians and other people to keep things going. So let's just be still for a moment and listen for God speaking to us through the words of the first letter written by John. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure.
And so we come to God in prayer. I will first of all guide us in prayer. And then we join together in the Lord's Prayer. And our pattern here at Hillhead Baptist Church is that you say that in the version and the language that is just the one that's right for you. And it's beautiful just to hear all the different voices blending together. If you happen not to know any versions, don't panic because there will be a version on the screen. So let's come to God in prayer. God of love and light, on this day we gather in the name of the light of the world, Jesus of Nazareth, Christ of the cosmos, to offer you our worship and praise. The ancients looked to the skies and saw great lights, the sun by day, the moon by night. And they also saw the lesser lights, the distant stars like holes piercing the darkness. And we call to mind the words of the letter written to the church at Philippi, that we are to shine like stars in the darkness of our own time and place. It's bewildering, and we won't all agree on priorities and processes, politics or policies, but values, our values, your values, of love for creation, love for neighbour and love for self, all flow out from your love for us and are like the light shining in the darkness, which a darkness cannot comprehend, control, or conquer. God of light and love, on this day, we weave together the old ceremony of Candlemas and thoughts on mindfulness. Lighten our darkness, brighten our lives, and help us to lift the bushel baskets that mask our light so that we can shine here where you have placed us. And as we seek this from you, we join our voices in the words Jesus taught his followers as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done.
So we've got quite a lot of candles on the front, and I had this idea that I was going to light some of them before the service, and some of them, I was assured, on the packaging, burn for an hour. <laughs> they clearly don't. So I will try and replace the ones that have burned out. But first of all, we've got our Advent wreath on the table, because today is actually the last day of Christmas. And in some traditions, people will still have their Christmas trees up and their Christmas decorations up until tonight. Because this is the day when we remember the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple by his parents, and that's part of what this beautiful music was we just heard. And so we have them. But can anybody remember anything about the candles, what they, sta- what they can stand for? There's different things, different themes that people use, but anybody remember anything about these four, five candles that we have on our Advent wreath? Joy, thank you. Yep. So there's one scheme that has joy, hope. At the back, somebody's got the hand up. Yes, can you shout out? I peace, yep. Joy, hope, peace, and one more. Because of love. Love, yep. So you can have joy, hope, peace, and love. You can have one that says one of the purple candles is for, well, it's either God's people or the patriarchs and matriarchs, because we're inclusive here. One for the prophets of old, one for John the Baptist, and one for Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the centre one is one we light on Christmas Day. What's that for? It's the answer to every question you're asked in church. So it's Jesus. Yeah. Anybody know why we have a pink one? So the pink one is lit on Advent 3, which is sometimes called Gaudete Sunday. And it's joy. That's the day we think about joy and rejoicing. So in the old days, when Advent was a very, very serious time and you fasted and you you prayed lots and got yourself ready and thought about death, hell, heaven and judgment, lovely things like that, Gaudete Sunday was kind of your day off. And so we have a pink candle to remind us that joy is part of it all. Okay, I have now managed to restack this. Um, I'm going to lift it up. Who knows what this is? Any of the children know what it is? Shout it out because um, we're not, we don't. Okay, so, so it is a menorah. It's a particular kind of menorah. Does anybody know what kind of a menorah it is? This is a, this is a, a Hanukkah. So this is a kind of menorah that is used at Hanukkah, which is a Jewish festival that happens in November, December time. And it goes, it goes back in its thinking to the restoration of the rebuilding of the second temple. And this is a legend. Jews tell us it's a legend. They don't believe it really happened. But when they rededicated the temple, they had to light the lamps, which were lit with special olive oil that had been made and blessed for use in the temple. And they went to get it out and discovered they only had enough for one day. So they commissioned some more to be made, but there was a miracle. Because each day... For eight days, there was enough oil to light the lamps. And so this Jewish ceremony, which runs very often in roughly the same time as um, Christmas or Advent, Jewish families will light one of these in their window. And depending which kind of Jew you are, you either start on the first day by lighting eight and light seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, or you start by lighting one and work up to eight by the end of the week. But it's a lovely symbol. I've just got to waft this a bit in case the smoke sets the fire alarms off. Um, These are beeswax candles, which I think is why they've burnt so quickly. Um, There we go, I think they'll be okay. It's a lovely symbol of increasing light in a dark time. Okay, I've got another set of candles on the table that some of you might have spotted. Now then, has anybody had a birthday this week? (coughs) Who's prepared to admit it? This week had a birthday. Don't pretend if it wasn't. This week, anybody had... Oh, Christine's had a birthday this week. Christine, come out and join me. Anybody got, anybody got a birthday next week? Talash, come and join me. We have two birthday cakes. Um, they don't have the... Well, obviously, you're both only... One of you is going to be six, and the other one's going to be six. That's right, isn't it? You're six years old. Now, did you know that birthday cake candles go right back 
to ancient Greece. Oops, that one's in upside down. I'll be lighting the candle <laughs> holder. And goodness knows what's going to happen when that's got chocolate icing and then I light it. Uh, okay, we'll miss that one, I think. <laughs> it's not my day today, is it? Forget my laptop lead, palm candles upside down, some of the candles burn out. So they would do that. Um, in Germany, which is where modern birthday candles really come from, from about the 18th century, if you were five, they would put six candles on your cake. And if you were six, they would put seven and so on. Because they thought that you should actually celebrate what you've had so far and also look forward to what's ahead. So actually, you two are really five, aren't you? Just <laughs> and, the, and the other ones to celebrate. Well, shall we sing to our friends and then let them <laughs> blow out at least some of the candles? That's so Talash and Christy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Thank you very much. Thank you. Very so why so many candles? Well, today is Candlemas. And if we were Roman Catholics, if we were Anglicans, if we were possibly Orthodox, although they might be a week behind us because their calendar runs a week behind us, traditionally this was a, a Sunday on which all the candles that would be used in the church during the next year would be brought together and blessed it's a bit like the Hanukkah here, so you've got your special candles that you use. It's a bit like the Advent ring, but it's more than that. So actually, if we were going to do it properly, we'd probably actually have to go around and bless all the light bulbs. That would be the equivalent nowadays. But it's a wonderful festival of light and remembering the time when Jesus was presented in the temple by his mum and dad. And we'll be hearing that story later on in the service. But lastly, before we sing, or as we sing... I thought you should have a candle to take away. Please don't light them, um, but have one to take away. And we're going to then, as we, we'll pass these around, just keep sending them to the back and, and we'll share them as we sing.
The first reading is Psalm 146. In praise of God the Saviour. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise him as long as I live. I will sing to my God all my life. Do not put your trust in human leaders. No human being can <coughs> save you. When they die, they return to the dust. And on that day, all their plans come to an end. Happy are those who have the God of Jacob to help them and who depend on the Lord their God, the creator of heaven, earth and sea and all that is in them. He always keeps his promises. He judges in favour of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free and gives sight to the blind. He lifts those who have fallen. He loves his righteous people. He protects the strangers who live in our land. He helps widows and orphans, but takes the wicked to their ruin. The Lord is king forever. Your God, O Zion, will reign for all time. Praise the Lord. The second reading is taken from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 5 the new life in Christ. I approach you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but I but think with solemn judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in the one body we have many members, not all the members have the same function. So we are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. Our third reading is Luke chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, verse 22 to 32. Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child to his parents, took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the law says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offer the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came, to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the Lord required. Simon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when she had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. 
She came along just as Simon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. I say and what you hear be acceptable to our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a great privilege to be here this morning to share worship um, and uh, all of us at Wellington bring you greetings. It's great to be here to have the combined choir uh, and to uh, share in this time of service together. The theme for this morning that I've chosen is mindfulness, mindfulness. Um, if you go to the uh, NHS website um, and you look up mindfulness, it'll tell you this. It can be easy to rush through life without stopping to notice much. Paying more attention to the present moment, to your own thoughts and feelings, and to the world around you can improve your mental well-being. And you can check your mood using this simple mood self-assessment quiz. All this is on the NHS website. So with great trepidation, <laughs> I, I took the quiz. Um, and I'm pleased to say that I didn't fall into the category of severe depression, um, um, but it did highlight that I could be anxious from time to time. Um, now, some people call this awareness mindfulness. Mindfulness uh, can help us apparently enjoy life more and understand ourselves better and you can take steps to develop it in your own life. It's become hugely popular uh, to go on mindfulness courses and to practice mindfulness and I guess some of you in this room probably have been on such a course and I hope that you benefited from it. But this is not new. This is not new and I refer to Paul's letter to the Romans uh, which deals in part in chapter 12 uh, with mindfulness. This letter of Paul's of course is familiar to you all. It's the uh, longest letter that he wrote. It deals with grand themes. It was probably written in Corinth about AD 55 and at that time there was a conflict between Jewish and Gentile Christians, uh, particularly um, exacerbated by the return of Jews to Rome after they'd been uh, expelled by the Emperor Claudius. And Paul deals with this relationship uh, between uh, Judaism uh, with Jews who were Christians and Gentiles and these huge themes that run right through the introduction, the core message and then from chapters 1 to 5 how to be put right with God not uh, by temple worship but by something new and then he goes on to deal with the change that should take place in the life of a Christian. If you are a Christian, then that should mean change in your life. 
He goes on to talk about the place of Jews and Israel, and then he comes to the crunch, the implications of living as a Christian. And in chapters 12, right through to chapter 15, he deals uh, with that. And of course, um, Paul, having analyzed all the theology of what it is to be a Christian, all the theology of how something new has happened, different from Judaism, he then starts chapter 12 with the word, therefore. Therefore, in the light of all that I've told you, this is the crunch. This is what should happen. What are the implications then of Paul's theological arguments for the early Christian community? I'll read this again to you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And J.B. Phillips, in his translation, puts it, I think, with even more of um, a punch. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, and he says, my brothers and sisters, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. These are very rich verses. Um, but there are three key elements in Good Church of Scotland tradition uh, for us today. And the first one is that we have to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, Paul's um, hearers would understand what sacrifices are, were about uh, animal sacrifice in the temple and so on. Uh, to us, it's somewhat strange, um, but it implies um, the concept of the body being the whole being. What Paul is saying, uh, as you used to sacrifice animals in the temple to justify yourselves with God, put yourselves right with God, he's saying now that the body, which denotes the whole being, should be dedicated to God. So as Christian people, your whole being should be dedicated to God, just as the sacrifices were set aside in the temple to be dedicated to God. So you and I um, have to be dedicated in our relationship with God and the way in which we conduct our Christian lives. And then he goes on to say that spiritual worship Worship has to be intelligent, both of the head and of the heart. So often, from time to time, Christian people, uh, very intelligent people, uh, come to church, they take the brain, their brains out of their heads, uh, leave them in the vestibule, come into worship, and come back out again and put their brains back in. Paul is telling us that our worship has to be intelligent. We have to think things through. It involves our whole being, our emotions, but also our intellect and our thoughts. 
The problem is that church can sometimes get things terribly wrong. Um, if we focus on emotions only, we can blow up. And you heard just recently, yesterday, of uh, uh, that church where a number of people were killed because the minister at the front said he was po pouring holy oil on the floor and everyone rushed forward and about four or five people were killed uh, in the rush. That's blowing up. That's um, rousing up people's emotions. And then, of course, there is the Presbyterian tendency to dry up, to dry up, to be formal, uh, uh, to have no emotional response, to go through the motions, maybe to use our intellect only, uh, but disengaging them, uh, uh, disengaging our minds from our hearts. So Paul says, don't blow up, don't dry up, but grow up as Christian people. That's the essential thing. And to do that, we need to worship as intelligent beings. Don't conform. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. There was a survey conducted by UNICEF a little while ago, but it still applies now, and it was conducted looking at child well-being. It was published in 2011, and for uh, analyzing how uh, children felt about themselves, um, the UK was 19th out of the 24 countries that was surveyed. We were pretty near the bottom. Um, and the comment was that parents and children feel massive external pressure from a materialistic culture, which they know won't bring happiness, but are conforming to nonetheless. And that is true as it was in 2011 uh, as it is in 2020, as we go into a new decade. We are all subject uh, to this pressure to conform. One theologian who commented a lot uh, on Romans said this, what madness it is to join in this puppet show which is displayed on a tottering stage. Uh, that was Leanheart who said that. And yet we are all often uh, attracted uh, to conform. So how do we combat the pressures to conform? Um, well, Paul says, by the renewing of your minds. By the renewing of your minds. Sense of both intellectual and moral. Don't accept everything at face value. And of course, we're bombarded by the media. We're bombarded by the press. And sometimes we're uh, trapped into thinking that it's all true, uh, when in fact the opposite may be the case. And the sense in which Paul says renewing of, your, of our minds is a continuing process. The verb for renewing is continuous. Continually, every day, we have to renew our minds to think aright in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Martin Luther um, uh, looked up St. Bernard of Clairvaux on this particular passage uh, Romans 12, 1 to 5, uh, and uh, this is what Bernard of Clairvaux said, as soon as you do not desire to become better, then you've ceased to be good. As soon as you do not desire to become better, you have ceased to be good. But the work of the Holy Spirit thankfully, and thank God for that, enables us to understand what God's will is in any particular situation. The Holy Spirit works in our lives to bring us to the truth. And we need to open our lives and our churches 
uh, to him so that we can be illuminated as we respond to the pressures around us, as the church um, tries to grapple with all the changes that are taking place in modern society. We need to use our minds, we need to engage our whole beings, and we need to uh, rely on the Holy Spirit. So what's our response to all this? I was very struck, and with this I close, with an extract from a poem by Andrew Rumsey. Andrew Rumsey is a contemporary Christian poet. And he's reflecting on the fact that Jesus had caught him. Jesus had caught him. So he says this, Jesus caught me picking at the lock of my life with the bent pin of my intellect. Allow me, he said, and slid in the key. He caught me peering into the cracked mirror of my vanity, and I saw him behind me, smiling. Jesus caught me in my car, puzzling over a map marked me. You are here, he pointed, and the map's upside down. And that summarizes it, doesn't it? That often our individual maps are upside down. And Paul is encouraging us uh, to renew our minds, to think clearly, to dedicate ourselves uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ and to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Amen. Let us join together in our prayer for other people and ourselves. <coughs> Gracious God, we have learned that you first brought light out of darkness and found that good. So also you sent us Jesus who taught that your will for all mankind 
was that we should love one another. Yet, 2,000 years on, much of mankind is struggling in darkness. And we're bewildered when we see great nations whose leaders we cannot trust, whilst we feel more ready to accept the judgment of David Attenborough and a teenage girl from Sweden. We are now committed to breaking away from the European Union at a time when only wider cooperation with other nations, at least in the medical, educational and environmental sphere, seems essential for our general well-being. We know of many active agents of goodwill serving in difficult places like Afghanistan. Still we hear of millions of refugees and we are tempted to feel helpless in face of global disaster if we do not quickly persuade the nations to change their ways and believe in the light of the gospel. We cannot take this challenge on lightly. But Jesus tells us we are to be salt and light. In the words of the hymn we shall sing shortly, your word alone has power to save us. Make us your living voice. So we praise you for the long-lasting partnership between BMS World Mission and the European Baptist Federation, including our friend Christine Kling in France, and for all the Church of Scotland and Baptist personnel serving our neighbours over the Channel and overseas in the name and spirit of Jesus Christ. We are grateful for generous giving towards relief in the South Sudan conflict. In Scotland, we pray specifically for churches at Bells Hill, now vacant, at Bowness, and at Bawtry Hill, all trying to reach out to their communities with the message of faith, hope, and love. We thank you for the welcome this church has enjoyed in the West End Fellowship of Churches and pray for each of those churches with their different needs to reinvigorate them. We are grateful for the faithful stewardship of financial resources exercised for many years by committees of both our churches here today. And we pray for their competence and confidence in facing up to our present situations. We express our deep gratitude to Roger and Katrina for their devoted leadership of our congregations and to many of our members who perform necessary tasks for us with a minimum of fuss and recognition. Dear God, we are all too aware of the tragic fires that have ravaged parts of Australia and thank you for the bravery of those who fought them with little regard for their own safety. We also pray for the authorities in China and other lands who are struggling to contain the viral outbreak. And we ask that this may soon be under control thanks to medical researchers hard at work and that those affected may find the help they need. 
We thank you for Nicola Sutherland from the Scottish Baptist College, who begins an attachment to us now. And we are conscious of health and age-related problems of some of our congregations and would ask for your blessing on each one of them and on those whose difficult circumstances may be unknown to others. So we remember in our personal prayers from Wellington, Jenny McPherson, Barbara Clark, Pat Hodgson, from Hillhead, Lilius Bizant, Lily Fraser, Caris Ferguson, and Margaret Little. And for a day in hospital tomorrow, we think of Anne Muir. Gracious God, we offer these our heartfelt prayers in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. This year at Hillhead, we are using a practice of the year's mind. On the Sundays when we celebrate communion, and as we prepare our hearts and minds prayerfully to do so, we recall before God with gratitude those who have gone before us. And we recall with gratitude those who have recently died. Charlie, for whom Jenny was a carer, and Tim Bulkley in New Zealand, the news of whose death has only recently reached us. We also think of those we have known and loved whose anniversaries of death fall around this time. Remembering today, Jean Delmore and Jim Semple. Loving God, as we recall with gratitude those who've gone before us, may our, companies, our, our memories comfort and console us and all who have loved them. And may your promises give us hope and strength for our own continuing lives. Amen.
As we prepare to share communion together, just a few housekeeping notes. All the bread we are using today is gluten-free. All the wine is alcohol-free. All are invited to share. There are no barriers, no boundaries. This is for all who are trying to follow Jesus or are curious about Jesus. We meet around the Lord's table, a place of remembering, a place of remembering, of putting back together the broken body of Christ that is the church. We meet around the Lord's table, a mindful place, a place of calling to mind, of recalling the story of the Christ whose body was broken to redeem and renew creation. We meet around the Lord's table, a place where in simple symbols of broken bread and poured out wine, we gain a glimpse of the heavenly banquet prepared for all. And we meet around the Lord's table, a place where dogmas and differences can be set aside and diversity celebrated on earth as it is in heaven. We meet around the Lord's table, not a Baptist table, not a Presbyterian table, not our table, not your table. It is Christ who invites us and all are welcome here. We listen to the old familiar story to words recorded thousands of years ago. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Blessed are you, God of the universe, who gives us grain for bread and bread for nourishment. Blessed are you, God of the universe, who gives us grapes for wine and wine for joyfulness. For this bread, for this, this wine, wine, and, and all, all they, they mean, mean to us, us we, we give you thanks. thanks. Amen. Jesus took bread and shared it with his friends. And so will we. And according to custom here, we eat as we receive. Jesus took a cup of wine and shared it with his friends, and so will we. As is our practice here, you are invited to retain your glasses that we can drink together. Let us drink together in friendship, in faith and in love. Jesus, light of the world, lighten our darkness. Christ, hope of the nations, fill us with love. Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ of God, give us your peace. Amen.
God of light, bless us with love, hope, joy and peace. Christ who is light, bless us with resilience and gentle determination. Spirit Sophia of God, oil and flame, bless us with mindful curiosity and thoughtful resolution. This Candlemas and always. Thank you.